This is the Funville Nine, driven by AAA, the official podcast of the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Here's your host, Trey Wilson. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Funville Nine podcast. Today, I am excited to get to share a conversation that I had with actor, comedian, writer Robert Wool back at the Diamond on April 7th. Robert was in town to be a part of the Flying Squirrels opening day festivities and some of that didn't happen. The game didn't happen. It got postponed because of rain, and that was a huge bummer. Uh, the game had been sold out for for weeks leading into opening day. We were excited to welcome a crowd of nearly 10,000 fans to the ballpark. Didn't get to have the game, but Robert was in town, and some fans did get to meet with him. Uh, got some autographs, took some pictures and all that. It looked like everybody who got a chance to meet him had a really good time. And I certainly had a good time getting to sit down and chat with Robert He's, of course, one of the characters in one of the great baseball movies of all time, one of the great sports movies of all time in Bull Durham, and personally one of my absolute favorite movies. Uh, he's in some other sports roles as well, in sports-adjacent uh, roles like Arliss on HBO, the, the comedy series that ran on HBO for so many years. And he's had a lot of other great acting roles in Batman and Good Morning Vietnam and uh, we mostly talked about Arliss and Bull Durham, and this, of course, being a minor league baseball team, being a, a sports-centered podcast, and uh, it was great to hear some inside stories about uh, Bull Durham and uh, the role of Larry Hockett, the pitching coach for the Durham Bulls in that movie, and uh, talked a little bit about Arliss Michaels and the Arliss show on HBO and, and his relationship with Flying Squirrels president and managing general partner Lou DiBella from back at their time with HBO when Arliss was on the air and uh, really just enjoyed getting a chance to hear some stories behind some of my favorite scenes in Bull Durham. I uh, love that movie I have for a long time. I think that a lot of people who work in minor league baseball can find some moments in that movie that that uh, they can connect with. And I mentioned it in the conversation, but that movie from a baseball standpoint really feels authentic because you've got Ron Shelton as the writer uh, and the director of that movie, a former minor league baseball player himself, who understood all the different authentic angles uh, of being involved in baseball that you don't always necessarily see in a baseball movie. It's kind of funny we talk about, like, if you see a movie that is based around what you do for a career, it's hard not to poke holes in it when you're watching it and just sit back and enjoy it. And that does happen sometimes with baseball movies for people like uh, those of us who work in baseball, when you're watching them and you're going through it, and, and, and well, that's not really how that goes. There's not really a lot of moments that you can find like that in Bull Durham, though. Uh, they did such a great job with that. And Robert's performance as Larry, the pitching coach, was was spot on. And uh, excited to share some of the stories that he had about working on Bull Durham and, uh, and, and plenty more. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with actor, comedian, writer, Robert Wall. We're joined today by Robert Wool, who's in town for the Flying Squirrels opener. It's rained out tonight, but uh, that's okay. We'll get some baseball in, but we still have a chance to catch up with Robert Wool while he's in town. Thanks so much for coming to town. Uh, we just saw Lou DiBella. You two have a relationship, the Flying Squirrels president and owner. How did you come to know Lou? Lou was an HBO executive when I did Arliss, and uh, he was a huge supporter of the show. And not everybody at HBO was, let me tell you, but Lou was. 
And uh, we hit it off then. It was just so great to see him. We were reminiscing about the old times, telling each other lies, as you do. <laughs> and uh, and he's just, I'm so happy for him and happy that he's, you know, got a minor league baseball team and he's doing well with it. And he really, and he really enjoys it. You can tell he really he looks good. Yeah, this is definitely a passion project for him. So we'll start with Arliss. Talking about baseball and sports, plenty of baseball in Arliss and sports in general. It seemed like every big star just about of the 90s and early 2000s in, in sports made an appearance on that show. What, what an incredible cast of characters. What was it like to get to work with some of those athletes? I know when they're working as actors, it's probably a little bit different since they're in your field of specialty. Well, it's fun to meet them. I mean, like you said, they're not actors. Um, and it was fun to meet him and get to know him. I, some of them I came, became very good friends with, uh, Mark Cuban. Uh, the, again, I, I expected more out of the non-actors, not, not athletes. I mean, the broadcasters and those guys you expect more out of. Uh, but the, the athletes were good. They were good because if you're a good athlete, generally you're coachable, which means you take direction. Because the more time somebody says, try it this way, and the more reps you get, the better you get, the more it takes. So they were good about that. They were really good. We were very fortunate. The only ones we didn't get, and more because of availability, or Ali, he was ill at the time. Uh, I wanted Martina Navratilova, but she lived in Switzerland. And uh, that really was pretty close. Michael we stole a shot of in the beginning of the credits. <laughs> we stole that shot. Um, but that's really about it. We got pretty, and Kareem. I don't think we got, and I've become friendly with Kareem since. But we didn't have Kareem. That would, that would have been nice. But that was about it. One of the guests that you had on there is a friend of the Flying Squirrels, of course, around here, Will Clark. Uh, y'all had a scene together in an episode where he was being absolute Will the Thrill Clark. It was just Will being himself on camera, which I'm guessing was the case with a lot of the, a lot of the athletes. But have you stayed in touch with with Will over the years? We have a lot of Giants fans who listen, of course, and they they love to hear about Will Clark. I love Will Clark. Um, I loved him as a ball player. Uh, I like him as a person. Uh, his, his personality. He's a he's a baseball guy, and he's fun. He gets you know what he did. He's appreciative. Um, I mean, what do you say about Will? And, and for a younger generation, look up Will's numbers. I mean, Will's numbers are you know pretty Hall of Fame. If he's not, if he's not in the conversation, he sh- should be pretty close. Uh, I, I'd have Will Clark on my any team, any time. Boy, what a good ball player! And what a fun person! Yeah, yeah. we love. We always we'll see him in a few weeks. I'm sure he usually makes the rounds through the minor league affiliates. Beyond our list, you had Bull Durham, of course, uh, along with several other great sports films and shows. But Bull Durham uh, being a big part of what gets you recognized around minor league ballparks. I'm sure, probably that with maybe if not one of the best sports movies, definitely one of the best baseball movies and my personal favorite movie. Uh, there's a certain authenticity that movie with Ron Shelton having played in the minor leagues, uh, gone through uh, the life and working in minor league baseball for a long time. There are certain storylines in that movie that I can pinpoint to memories of my own. I hear the same thing from players and coaches. Uh, the authenticity of that movie from Ron Shelton, uh, how impressed were you all working with him still relatively early in his career at that point uh, and getting to do something completely different from what a lot of movies at that point had been? It was terrific. The, the thing I remember, something I took with me when I, even I did the Arliss show, the first scene we shot, at least that I shot, took place in the clubhouse and where the players were coming in from after a game. And I remember the assistant director saying, okay, let's set the scene. Coming in after a game, you just won. So everybody's really excited, really feels good. And so, so let's have a lot of energy. And 
they were in action, and everybody came in, hey, 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 hey. and John's, Ron Shaw went, cut. He said, let me explain something to you about baseball. Everyone about in this room has been doing this probably every day of their life since about nine years old. It's routine. You win a game, you lose a game. You're playing again tomorrow. You don't go, yeah, rah, 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 rah. You're basically thinking about two things. Where are we going to eat and where are the girls? <laughs> he says, that's what you're thinking about. He goes, everything else, yeah, okay, you're happy you won, but it's not rah, rah stuff. You've done this every day of your life. You're going to do it the next, every day of the next week. It's routine. And I took that on to Arliss, too. When we would sign a client and lose a client, it's routine. Mm-hmm. We've done this. You know, I mean, you, it, it, there are certain cases where rare instances where it makes a bigger deal, but mostly not. It's routine. That's the great thing about baseball, why I like it. Water reaches its own level because you play every day. You know, when you play for six months every day, you're going to go on winning streaks, you're going to go on losing streaks. But basically, water's going to reach its level. The role of Larry Hockett, the, the writing behind that and your performance, and it was so spot on. I can pinpoint little parts of that role to so many pitching coaches I've known um, over the years. And for you, how did you get involved in that role? I know you had a relationship with Ron a little bit already going into that. Did that no, play into it? Oh, you did not. Excuse no. me, I misunderstood. Okay, so well, how did that role come to be for you? I auditioned for it. Uh, I gave what Ron said was the worst audition he ever saw, and he, <laughs> said, and he said, hire him immediately. Uh, I was improvising and doing a terrible job, and Ron said, hire him because he knows baseball, because we were talking about baseball. And he says he can give me something. Ron knew how to put together a ball club where everybody doesn't have to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You need different people in different situations. You need a crafty left-hander to come in there. You need a guy to get a hit off the bench. Well, Ron knew that, and he said, I can get something from him when I get in trouble, or I can cut to him, and he can give me something. Uh, so that was it. We developed a relationship throughout the shooting and then you know, to this day. Uh, as for the pitching coach aspect of the, of, of the role itself, I spoke to... Um, I guess I don't know if it was Renee or Marcel Latchman, who was the uh, pitching coach of the, of the California Angels at the time. And we talked about it, and you got to remember, the, back then these guys didn't make much money. I don't know if he made 20000 a year as the pitching coach. Probably not. So, and, and again, even in the major league pitching coaches, there's only 30 of these jobs in, in the major leagues. That's it. There's 30 jobs. So you, gotta love, you better love baseball. You better love the game, and you better really. Now, in the major leagues, you do get a pension, but you know, but that's the major leagues to get there. I mean, there's only, like I said, thirty of those jobs, and they're not turning over every year. So, uh, you know, that that was it. But I talked to Renee about. I wanted to know about the economics of it, what a guy would make, how much time does he spend at home, and everything. I really, I really wanted to know that. As far as you know, doing other stuff, physical stuff, that's just running with my ass out to the mound, <laughs> sticking my. Out. Uh, that's just little jogging. That, that's just an actor's choice. Well, even some of the just the expressions of some of the terms and the, the felt very baseball authentic. But you had so many great short lines in that movie. The writing and the execution on your part. The, the even the the as a former employee of the Sears Corporation, I can concur that Sears sucks. Um, they're gone now. So there are so many great lines and in, 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 that you executed so well. But obviously, the most popular one especially in baseball circles is the candlestick line at the mound visit and i guess that wasn't originally how that was supposed to go no what had happened was the line was written that i get out to the mound what's going on here and they said the same lines you know they know uh, where you know nuke's father is in the stands and uh 
first baseman's girlfriend put a curse in the glove and we don't know what to get Millie and Jimmy for a winning present. We're dealing with a lot of stuff here. And the line, my response was, oh, I thought there was a problem. Okay, let's go. That was it. That's what's written. It was the last shot of the night. We were going home and it was like four in the morning. It was cold and it was the last shot. So Ron said, Robert, I know you've been sitting in the dugout all night thinking about something to say. Here's one for yourself. Go ahead and do it. Now, what had happened the week before was my wife and I had a friend who was getting married. And I asked her, what do I get him for a wedding present? And my wife responded, well, candlesticks always make a nice gift. Or find out where she's registered and maybe a place setting or a silverware pattern. So when it came time to do it, I just said the line, well, candlesticks always make a nice gift. Or find out where she's registered, maybe a place setting or a tableware pattern. And I said, okay, let's get two. You know, that's the release line. That's like uh, Bob Hope said, okay, I just want to tell you. So and that's, I said, let's get two. So, and that's what, and I never expected that line to stay in the movie. Never, never in a million years. However, as Ron will tell you in the book, which is a book I highly recommend anybody who's a Bull Durham fan reading, called The Church of Baseball by Ron Sheldon, which is the story of the making of Bull Durham. And it's a great book. It's a great book if you're a baseball fan. It's a great book if you're a movie fan. It's a great book about screenwriting. Highly recommend it. But he talks about how the studio, when they did all their preview screenings, wanted to cut the entire scene on the mound out of the movie. The entire scene, not just me. And their reasoning was, it doesn't push the plot. And Ron would say, what plot? There is no plot in this movie. And so, and the only reason that scene stayed in, the only reason is when they did focus groups, and they always asked the audiences, what's your favorite scene in the movie? It was always number one or number two. Always. So that's the only reason it stayed in. Because the executives, in their wisdom, wanted to cut it. And the other one, of course, is uh, the lollygaggers line in the clubhouse that's that everybody written. knows. That was, yeah, that was that's written script. between you and, and Trey Wilson. Yeah. Just nailed the execution on that, you know, too. We, Trey and I became very friendly. We, we, uh, we both were taught in Texas by the same drama teacher at different times. So we became a comedy team, as, as Ron Shelton said. We be, we're a comedy team in the movie. We're Abbott and Costello. We're, you know, we're, we're the team. So when we did the, we, and we both worked at, at the Astro World uh, Medicine Show So at different times. So we knew how to bounce off each other. So it was all written for, it, it was all written for Trey. I don't think, I, I don't believe that Larry Hockett had the line at the end of I think it was all, I think it was all Trey. And, but Trey was gracious enough because we, we did it, you know. You lolly red. What does that make you, Larry? You know, lollygagger. So he set me up. He put it up on a tee. So that's what I mean. We and so we we had such a good time, and I miss Trey Wilson. God, do I miss Trey Wilson? You know, he was uh, he was about to become a pretty big star because he died. He had a brain aneurysm just before, or either either just before, or on the way to the airport. He was going to play, because uh, um, he had played Nathan Arizona in Raising Arizona, the car dealer. And he was on his way to the airport to play Miller in Miller's Crossing, the new Coen Brothers movie. And he dies. I mean, and what a sweet guy. What a good actor. What a great guy. Yeah, he, he, he nailed that manager's role in that movie, too, so well. For me, my whole life, my name is Trey Wilson, so for my whole life, I've been, people find out that's my favorite movie. It had nothing to do with the fact that we shared a name, but I did love his performance in that movie as well. Robert, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for coming to Richmond and being a part of our celebration tonight. I have the I have Ron Shelton's book loaded up on my iPad for our first bus trip coming up next week. So I'll be riding a minor league bus off to Pennsylvania. I can't wait to dive into it. You're in for a treat. I can't wait. Thanks so much for your time. My pleasure.